welcome to the first episode of It's Culture Babe. I am your host, my name is Rose, and I am here with my great friend Obi. Thank you so much for making time today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. So, uh, yeah, we tried to record this before, uh, but we got interrupted. And we uh, tackled some really great topics like Palestine and Israel and what's happening on social media. But before uh, we would get back to that, we met when you were helping me find mosque. The first time I came to Istanbul, remember? Yeah, you helped me yeah. find my way to uh, Hagia Sophia. Yeah, back then I used to work in a travel agency. Yes. Yeah, I remember that. And you passed from the street and you were like, hi, hello, you know, where's Hagia Sophia? And then yeah. Yeah, I helped you find it. And then we get to then we got got to talk but why i mentioned it is because one thing that i really remember from that time is that you asked me when i'm from and i said i'm from czech republic and i'm like are you local and you're like what did you say do you remember <laughs> i remember that it was a mixed story yes like uh, no I'm, i'm i'm actually syrian yes but i have the citizenship but yes. i live in saudi arabia <laughs> yes. you know something like yes. yes i remember yeah. you said Well, I'm Syrian. And then very fast after you said, but I have Turkish citizenship now. And I found it really amusing. And I remember I said, well, well, I'm actually a Ukrainian, but I have Czech citizenship now. And, and then we both started laughing because yeah. that's how, uh, how immigration works. <laughs> exactly. And actually, when I met you, I was just like newly took my citizenship. It was like two months ago. Oh really? Yeah, just two, I, two, I, just months, two months before, months before uh-huh. I I met you, I I had my citizenship, so I was like very happy about it, and finally someone asked me <laughs> where I'm from, you know? Yes. Yeah. So that's that's actually really really great because you speak three languages, right? Yep. And you have lived in how many countries? In almost four countries. Which one? Which one are those? Uh, Syria, Jordan, uh, Saudi Arabia, Turkey. And I thought also UAE. Uh, I was very little, so uh-huh. it does, uh, I. So so it doesn't doesn't. It doesn't count. count. Okay. No, it doesn't count. Mm. Like even Jordan, I was like uh, eight years old, nine years old. I kind of still remember stuff. Mm. But UAE, I was like maybe two, three years, so I don't, mm. I really don't remember stuff. Mm. So. The most part of your life was where? In Saudi Arabia. I was uh, raised there and I studied there. Mm. And then you came to Turkey because you wanted to study, was Yes, it? to continue my studies because I, fin- I finished high school in Saudi Arabia and I wanted to do something different. I didn't want to continue all my life there, all my studies there, all my... So I came to Turkey to... Uh, study engineering is better than education in Saudi Arabia. Really? How so? Yes, I I don't know about universities, but mm-hmm. I can tell from the school at my like back my time. Uh, really, the study like the the education system wasn't that good. You know, teachers were very easy with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were strict. On stuff that not related to studying, 
but uh -huh. when it comes to studying, they were very easy. So like behavior? Yes, they strict, they strict uh -huh. on behavior uh -huh. and what to do in the school and you should do and you shouldn't do yeah. and go to your class. Mm -hmm. If you're out of class, you're in trouble, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but in, in, in the school, uh, I, th I think they did their best, but the thing, because the whole educational system was weak, even the teachers maybe didn't get the right education mm -hmm. to how to educate us kind of thing. Uh -huh. So you're saying that teachers knew the subject, but they didn't know how to teach? Yeah, kind of. Yes, yes. And, and some teachers, they, uh, they didn't really uh, know the subject much. Mm -hmm. You know, that's another problem. For example, my English teacher he didn't know much English. <laughs> <You know? laughs> same. You <laughs> really was, like. That was same in Czech Republic sometimes. Like I, I get kicked out of the classroom because I fixed what he said. Like he, he made an <laughs> you error. Corrected he made your, a, yeah, your I corrected teacher. him. I, exactly. Yes. How can you correct me? You know? <laughs> yes, yes. So, for example, speaking about languages, like I remember in Czech Republic, people would sometimes complain that their teacher only knows like one more chapter compared to yeah. the, the students you know they're just like one chapter ahead of them yeah, yeah. Yes. i think that's how that's what happens because the teacher goes study what he have to teach you yes <laughs> and then come and teaches back. you you know yes but yeah then i finally like finished high school there mm -hmm. and then it was a hard decision where i'm gonna go continue mm -hmm. my studies and then for some reason i chose turkey mm -hmm. i was like 16, 17 years old. You were 16 when you had to decide where you're going to study? Yes, yes. 17. That's, that's really... It's really young. I find it, like, really difficult at that age. We don't know young. You don't. You guys don't, don't know young? <laughs> we don't know young. We, we have responsibilities. I don't know if I want to go into this topic of, like, okay. what age is appropriate for what in uh, in Saudi. Yeah. No, you can you can have it in, like, more, like, uh, Middle East. Mm, yeah, that's like true. Syria, Egypt, something. I think we take responsibility in like young age. Well, you, you can also marry young. Well, that, that, right. yeah, that was that was a bit old. Like in the past. In the past, mm. uh, it still happens. Mm. It still happens, but rarely. Mm -hmm. Not like before. Yeah. Yeah, but for example, just just on this note, uh, because what we are like hinting on is like. Uh, young marriage right of girls in the past i was surprised to find out that actually in many states of the united states it's still allowed to marry girls as young as 13 years old so you know west would look to like gulf countries and they will be like oh how can they do that they are just kids but what people don't know that it's actually still legal in the united states to marry technically a child i want to know is so coming to turkey with your background is it easy? Hell no. No? <laughs> Hell no. Hell no, man. Especially when I came uh, in the end of two, uh, of 2015. I am sure maybe there was only one person who speaks English. And unfortunately, I, it wasn't possible to meet that person, <laughs> you know. So I had to ask the security, the police, I had to ask people mm -hmm. about like, how can I get to this place? Mm -hmm. 
but no one knew the language like i tried to speak arabic with them mm-hmm. no one knew arabic i tried to speak english no one knew english no one knew. and i didn't know turkish at that time obviously uh, yeah, because it's like my first time i come to turkey yes I, like before that i didn't even came for a vacation or anything that was know? how long ago actually almost nine years almost nine years ago yes and not much have changed Eight, when half, it comes to foreign years. languages in turkey well um, no actually i can notice that there is more people know no english yeah now. yeah at least at least basic english mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. least basic english uh, because like literally before when i first came i had like a lot of struggles mm-hmm. and especially how to get to somewhere Mm-hmm. you know because Directions. i open yes i open map i open google map and google map shows me something i go there but it's different than what i want uh-huh. so i start to ask people and people they didn't understand a thing from uh-huh. what i want you know and it's like you know you know that when people are not allowed like not not able to talk yes And they still just like with the sign language and like yeah. with hand gestures yes. and stuff and like so mimicking, like yeah, mimicking yeah. is uh-huh. like yeah from like he's he's, uh-huh. he's like with his hand he's like go forward uh-huh. and then right and uh-huh. then left and I'm like yeah thank you and then I go and it was a disaster man. So that sounds really stressful. By the way, did you come here alone? Yeah. You came here alone. Yes. With like your little bag. Uh, actually, it's worse. <laughs> I had a big bag. <laughs> I had a bag like. I thought it's gonna be easier, so I kind of brought everything I need and mm-hmm. everything I don't need with me. You uh-huh. know, it's like I'm moving to Turkey. Yeah, Turkey. So I better bring everything with me. I brought everything with me, and I had like a big suitcase mm-hmm. and a big backpack, and like a proper immigrant, by the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and oh my God, man, it was just it was. But. But you managed, and uh, I find it very difficult because, for example, for me when I came to Turkey, it was very surprising that although it's such a big, like hub, right? It connects the world, and even the Istanbul itself is divided into European and Asian side, right? So me coming here, I realizing that people really don't know much English. I understand that it's better now than eight nine years ago, but still. Really, they don't. Yeah. I was very surprised, so I can't really imagine how stressful it must be trying to arrange anything, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is 16 million people in Istanbul. For for people who are listening to this and they haven't been to Istanbul, it's 16 million people actually, officially. Actually, 18. 18 million people. 18 million people officially. Yeah. And there is about like if 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 we're talking only about Turks, hmm. there is 18 million people officially, and there is around five to six hundred non-recorded citizenship like black people Unre- turk unrecorded un- unofficial, yeah, yeah, like. unofficial turks uh-huh. and if you're gonna talk about the immigrants yeah, right. uh, there is like only syrians there's like five million uh-huh. in istanbul unregistered no no i'm talking in total registered and non-registered mm-hmm. Uh, and now there's like Afghans, like maybe two, right. two hundred There's Ukrainians, That's Russians. So right now, after the the war, Ukrainians yeah. and Russians are actually drinking tea together in uh, Istanbul. Yeah, and and there's also Palestinians, 
there is Egyptian, there mm-hmm. is Yemeni, there is like Africans. Mm-hmm. Right, Africans. So as you said, like that Istanbul is divided to European and Asian sides, mm-hmm. actually. And what, what that tells us that literally Turkey, especially Istanbul, is in the middle of the map. Mm-hmm. It's in the middle of the world. So mm-hmm. what also that tells us that it's the center of the world, mm-hmm. literally. So I found it really odd for Turk uh, people not to learn English. Yeah, but uh, what I have understood mm-hmm. that their pride is <laughs> so high. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they think they won't need another language but Turk, but Turkish. Mm-hmm. And that is complete mm-hmm. misconception uh, and I just don't know how you can have such a conclusion because today, even, for example, working with computer, a lot of things are in English, manuals, traveling, doing well, business. Like I can, I can tell you that uh, Turkey and Turkish culture is very big. They have their own movies, they have their own TV shows, mm-hmm. they have their own... And, and and they are doing good on these terms. Yeah. Like they're doing good movies, good TV shows, songs, singers, yeah. musicians, artists. It's a very uh, big and strong country. And I think that's why they have this much of pride that mm-hmm. like we don't need English or mm-hmm. we don't need, you know. I, I keep telling my friends like... Uh, it doesn't matter if you don't need it now, you will need it in the future. Yes. Because anything you learn, it adds up to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's language, whether it's a skill, whether it's an information. Yeah. So, the more language you learn, the better. Of course. You know, yes. like, for example, you and me now, knowing English, we can communicate with half of the world. Exactly, yeah. Me knowing Arabic is with the other yeah, half, of the, half world, of the world, you know? <laughs> yes, that's true. And uh, like I know companies that will hire you because you speak a certain language, not for your resume, not for your, not skills. For your skills, no. school. They yes. need the language and yes, they will true. pay you well just because of the language. So, um, yeah, that that's that. I want to talk about overcoming adversity which is obstacles, right, that mm-hmm. that come in life. Can, can you remember some hard times or something you had to overcome coming here or living here? Uh, well, first, communication with people, how to communicate with people. Mm. How long did it take you to learn the language? Uh, well, to be honest, I came to Turkey and then, then I, I sat in a hotel mm-hmm. until I found... A language center mm-hmm. like it took me five days until I found a good one you had to do it yourself like alone yes Man. <laughs> yeah uh, of course I, I used to google and translate and mm-hmm. stuff and then like uh, thanks to google translate it really helped me on the streets mm-hmm. but uh, yeah there wasn't much people who have the patient yeah, the that's another thing. To, to, mm-hmm. to wait for me until I to write translate. what I want and then they write what they, they f- want. They, get un- they feel uncomfortable. They feel uncomfortable, yes. yeah. They f- so they are in a hurry. Mm. So, uh, like, I think it until until I learned the language, and listen to me carefully, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
it took me around six to eight months mm-hmm. until I learned the grammar's language, mm-hmm. but I wasn't able to speak. So you learned the passive yes, part yes. of the language, but not the active one. Not the active one. And, and it took me another... <laughs> Rookie mistake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It took me another like half a year to be able to speak a little bit properly. You know, mm-hmm. like I used... I, I was able to speak, but it is... It wasn't like in order what I used to say. It was just I used to say stuff and people used to make the effort mm-hmm. to put what I say up, you yeah. know, to make the sentence. And and unfortunately, some people put it wrong and uh-huh. they understand me wrong. <laughs> and that used to put me in another <laughs> obstacle. <laughs> but I don't blame them, of course, you know. Man, but that's hard. What What made it like this for me, or I think even for you or for like, most foreigners is that because Turkish language when you want to speak it you have to reverse the sentence and speak it right the syntax is different how words are put after each other exactly mm-hmm. for example you say how words are put after each other you say it imagine yeah. you're saying it each other words are put or something exactly, like that. Yes. exactly uh-huh. so my mind I literally used to have headache <laughs> I swear, I swear, I used to have thinking. headache from speaking and thinking how am I gonna speak it and like revert the sentence mm-hmm. and then say it. Mm-hmm. And I can, I really can sense how it used to take, how much energy it used to take from me. Yeah, learning the language itself. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So let's say it, it took me a year and three months, year and a half to mm-hmm. to start be confident yeah with the language mm-hmm. you know and you went to school for that it was like every, every day class wasn't <clears throat> it oh yeah it was five days a week mm-hmm. every day class and um, yeah for for a whole like six seven months mm. it was like a very uh, intensive course mm-hmm. and uh, the, the mistake that i made you know that's why i mentioned that i stayed in mm-hmm. a hotel until i found the course mm-hmm. uh, place or like uh, yeah, language school, school language yeah. school and that was a mistake I made because I took a hotel I booked a hotel for a week mm-hmm. I found the language school school language and then I registered myself in school language language school language school I'm <laughs> sorry guys I still I still need to work on my language <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're you're reversing into Turkish. I don't know. I I'm spe- in my head now. I'm speaking three languages, <laughs> you know. But I am the output is English. It's English, yes. But yeah. So after I I registered and everything, I went on the journey to finding a house. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, uh, I found a house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It was like Istanbul is too big, man. You had no idea at the time how huge it is. I had no idea. I was like, okay, it's here and I'm here. It's in Istanbul. It's in Istanbul. My house is in Istanbul and uh, language school is in Istanbul. (laughs) So, no problem. But damn, it was a big problem. (laughs) Because the house that I rented was almost three hours away. From the from your school from my school, 
and I was like okay with it at first because I really didn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took the house and I bought some furniture. I, as I mentioned, I came at the end of 2015, mm-hmm. so it was winter time. Oh. Yes, I, I, for, I said I furnished the house, but to be honest, I just bought like one sofa and some things to just like. Right. Because I don't know anything. I just you know? want to say you were like 18 at that time. Yeah. yeah. You were 18. You came. To a different country, you didn't know the language. No, no, sir. They didn't know your language. You had to find your own place, your own school, alone. Like I'm just saying this because, like, that's that's very hard. And I think most people, I, I believe that absolute majority of people would not do that because it's scary, right? Yeah, yeah. And mm. and I I really remember many times. I just wanted to sit in the corner and cry, you know, <laughs> like out, I, I of, would. out of frustration, I would. you know. Yeah. Yeah, but I kept going. Mm-hmm. I kept going. So after I found out that I need to travel to my school and then Three I need hours. to, for, from school, I need to travel back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, weather started to get colder and colder, you mm-hmm. know, and and then I asked myself, I was one, one night I was very cold mm-hmm. at the home at the house and I was like man how can I heat myself <laughs> you know how like I have all the blankets all my clothes on me you know everything and it's still cold you know <laughs> and if I put my finger out of the blankets it freezes you literally. had no heating in the house this is what I have discovered <laughs> that there is there is there should be heating on the wall you know, which uh-huh. is called combi here. And then I started to call people. And, and, and then I remembered that there was... I had a cousin who used to live in Turkey. And then he traveled to Germany and whatever. What? Yes. I called him. What did he say? He said, like, look for something should be on the wall. is metal yeah. and something. And I looked all over the place. And I was like, there is nothing like this. He's like, it's impossible. I was like, I swear. He's like, you have to have it. I'm like, really? There's nothing. He's like, how old is the building? I was like, I don't know. The fuck should I know? How How can I know this type of answer? I was so frustrated. I was going to cry. And he's like, he's like, okay, GG to you. I was like, what is that GG to you? What is that GG to you? It's like, good game, <laughs> good game, man. I was like, thank you. What should I understand? He's like, you don't have heating in the house. <laughs> oh, really? So anyway, it was the first winter. It was the first winter. The, so the first winter uh, was one of the worst winters, I guess. Yeah, and, and living in Saudi for my whole life, just going to Jordan and Syria in my, like, in, in, in summer we used to go there, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so because we used to go there in summer, I didn't see appropriate winter before. Okay, so this was your first experience with winter. With winter at all, you know. And, and like, we had cold in, in Saudi Arabia. We There was some places there. it was, like, so cold. We used to go there to experience the cold weather. But it wasn't something like here, mm-hmm. you know. I want to go back to things that happened. Because you said that you really felt like giving up at some times. 
Yes. Right. Yes. Because it was it was too much. But you said that you just kept going. So what motivated you? Where did you find the strength? Because this is something I think many people need. Right. One of the biggest problems that we face is that we don't have the coping skills right. We don't have the right um, skill how to overcome things. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Well, what motivated me is that it was kind of like, let's say, 60% my choice to come to Turkey mm-hmm. and to continue my studies here. So this is the first thing that came to my mind every time I want to quit. Like, it was part of your decision and you made that choice. You can't quit very early. You know? mm-hmm. And and I always kept telling myself that it's only the beginning. It will get better. It's normal because it's your first time. Like, it was my first time traveling alone. It was my first time going to completely... Uh, different country different environment different environment different culture Uh, like even if at the time even the time was different there was like two hours different Mm -hmm. yeah so everything was different and i used to i used to remind myself like just like the beginnings are hard no matter what you do uh you you really did that like at age of 18 you were You were already that mature that you just kept telling yourself, <laughs> it's just the beginning. Yeah. Beginnings are hard. <laughs> really? <Yes. laughs> you, you did that? Yes, yes. Wow. Were you always like that? I think, not not always, always, but I think I started to get mature way before my age. Because like we had some incident in the family and and suddenly at the age of 10 years old, like when I was 10 years old, mm-hmm the age of 10 I had to take responsibility that no one should take at this age at the, at the age of 10 you yeah, responsibility you sh- school and play with kids yeah yeah no your responsibility is just not to break your toy that's the biggest, <laughs> biggest that's responsibility. the biggest responsibility you should have yes but uh, I I am the only um, uh, boy in the family mm-hmm. at the time I had three sisters mm-hmm. they all were like older than me i was the youngest uh, kid in the in the family mm-hmm. so all this responsibility came on me my dad was like hey listen from now on you have to take care of your sisters and mother um i might not be around mm-hmm. so so for... that's what you heard at the age of 10 yeah? yes. like i might not be around you are the man you might become a man of the family yes, at yes. this age yes if if any some if anything went wrong because there was like some stuff i i'm not gonna talk about it mm-hmm. now maybe if if on another episode but yeah so when i heard that uh like this this things and actually he gave me he gave me a big paper mm-hmm. it <laughs> it's crazy he gave you like a he gave like, me like a big paper yes like people needed money from my dad uh-huh. and people who dad needed money from Like at age of at, 10 yes you were he, you were given a list of yes yes and and he's like if if something happened you go to this and this and this you take those money mm-hmm. and then you repay this and this and this uh-huh. and what left you keep it with uh-huh. you and then you go to this person uh-huh. 
you take this and you do this and and I was like I I was like on the edge of crying and breaking out and like and like focusing and like listening to everything and like yes sir I I captain you must have been feel yeah. like really scared or anxious I, I was very scared I was very scared I remember that night I like after my dad told me everything and gave me the paper he went mm-hmm. and he's like for now at least for a week I'm not here mm. and then I went I ran to my room and I remember I put my head under the pillow and I started screaming and crying and saying what the fuck should I do now <laughs> yeah uh, so but you feel that that point like sped up your maturing because I, something I, changed within you I had point. to like mm-hmm. for that night I didn't I don't remember that I slept that night mm. I just was thinking and thinking about all the possibilities in the world mm-hmm. and like at that age I don't know how how I was thinking about this like stuff and possibilities and like uh, results and my perception is that we don't have that much understanding of situations of like adults you know like yeah money parents not being able to be no there. no you don't have capacity no much sometimes I feel sad this happened to me but sometimes I'm I'm very grateful that this happened because mm-hmm. it showed me that what the mind of the human uh, what is the brain of the human uh, is capable of mm-hmm. you know? what do you mean like what uh, our mind is like, capable of for example like you don't know your powers your limitations your anything until you you put under a test or a big pressure right mm-hmm. so when when this happened uh for two nights i was really struggling sleeping and i was overthinking i was just crying i didn't eat properly okay i was so worried about my family you know but then i suddenly started to act more manly i started to take responsibilities i had the keys of the car and I started to... You were yes, driving at yes, that age? Yes, I, I, my dad Could you to, even see over the steering wheel? No, I used to stand. <laughs> I used to stand. Like, I, I used to drive standing, I can't, not sitting. I can't believe it. I think at this point, our listeners are like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is surreal. That, that uh, like, incident, that experience mm. made you a certain way and it forced you into more maturity, yes. which... We are not saying that it's the right thing, but it is what it is. Then coming here, you were already quite like understanding. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, frankly, when, when you when you come to foreign country and you face a lot of obstacles, the normal thing to do <laughs> is to complain. I didn't have anyone to complain to, you know. <laughs> like if I'm gonna complain to my family, they would think that like, yeah, you're you're a pussy, you just like can't do it or whatever and and of course, because since I was the man since mm-hmm. 10 years old, mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to think I'm otherwise. Yes. I had this all these wrong ideas in my mind, like uh-huh. how the man should be and shouldn't right. be. Because... Um, you cannot show weakness, what you're telling I me. I can't show weakness. How uh-huh. can you be weak? Weak is for women, and not for men <laughs> or something. <laughs> Thank you. I'm and sorry. So, <laughs> wow. And so uh, is, is, this, is this a cultural thing? Is this common that 
boys are raised to not show a weakness and to always appear strong? Well, uh, yes, I guess yes. Because when you, when anyone, when any guy or like boy, let's say boy, cries, immediately the mother or the father goes like, hey man, don't cry. That's Why still are happening. You crying? That's still happening, That's still unfortunately. Happening. So, so when you keep hearing men don't cry, men can't cry, man doesn't do that. So you come to the point where you have to just surpass your feeling, like mm-hmm. just like whatever you feel is so bullshit. You, <laughs> you know, it's yes. like is you just throw you're not, it. You're in not the allowed trash. to have that. You're not allowed to have these feelings. No. I I I think they didn't do it on on purpose Mm -hmm. they do it of misunderstanding how you should like treat your son or like something like this Mm -hmm. i think many of arab are not arab i'm not gonna say i was like i'm I'm gonna say like the how how can i say you mean the area for example like geographical area of syria jordan Uh palestine but I guess we can say so, so. Let's say Middle East. Let's say Middle East. Okay. Yeah, in this geographical area, uh, unfortunately, because and that might bring us to Palestine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for for these areas, since day one, uh, the political situation wasn't very stable. Mm-hmm. So there is always they like families used to like just immigrate to another places you just used to go here and there so so you had to just be a grown kid mm-hmm. so there was a lot of movement between countries we, you can you can say like people used to go search for their freedom mm-hmm. so so it kind of forced people to be more mature and yeah. take the responsibility from young age 100% right compared to for example in Europe definitely like, for a while now we are we've been very safe yeah we're like in, in Europe for example the mother and father they don't fight uh, in front of the children if you well, know, that's where you're wrong but it's very different definitely the yeah. approach to upbringing kids freedom in the family or like how how the dynamic of the family but also for you the ties are very strong Mm-hmm. Right, like the connection of the family is very strong compared to the Western world, where yeah. like the kid just gets its its own freedom. Parents try not to interfere that much with their decisions. I'm generalizing, of course, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we can definitely definitely say that where in your case, again generalizing, like in Middle East, family has a say in your decision. Yeah, yeah, because we are we are too bond to our families, mm. you know. Uh, we mm. have it even in in religion, in mm. in traditions, yeah. and like you know the, that that family is is what you have in life because you know life is just uh, like a boat. You are like moving, you know, and while while this boat is moving, you meet another boat, another sailors, another like people passing by. Yeah. They come, they stay for a while, and they pass by. But who stays with you is the people who is in the boat. Uh huh. So, and the people who is in the boat is mostly your family. I see. Something like this, you know. Is this something you're like taught, or did you just like make this up? No, I just made this. Oh, okay. Spot, <laughs> on spot, yeah. I thought since young age you've been told. No, so, no. Son, <laughs> you are in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. no, no. I just made it on the spot. Okay. You know, as a. Okay. 
But, you know, uh, one more thing I actually want to ask when it comes to, again, motivation and overcoming adversity. Do you have something that helps you, like, gather the strength? I know, for example, for me, dealing with people when I don't know the language, right? Especially, like, language can be a big thing that mm, separates people. Because without common language, we really don't understand each other. Hell, we don't even understand each other with knowing the same language. So without it, it's harder yeah. and there is there's automatically mistrust. Yes. I, in my opinion, if you don't speak the language, we don't trust each other because we don't know what's up. So for me, I feel insecure mm-hmm. when I have to deal with this stuff. When you feel insecure, you feel a bit scared, right? And it's harder for you to push through things and really like pursue. and. You might have a lot of setbacks and you will just have to maybe do things several times until you get what you want. So how do you do that while still maintaining somewhat positive attitude? Uh, well, for me, because I struggled when first I came, I I decided to not focus on what is the people reaction and just focus on my kind let, let's say on my goal which is like going to this place arriving to that place you know mm-hmm. so i i realized that what you feel uh reflects on you mm-hmm. so when i used to feel insecure and ask people help they used to look at me like um, in a way that i used to feel more insecure mm-hmm. and i used to feel hopeless and yes you know but then i was like fuck it man why am i doing this i just want to ask about this mm-hmm. i'm just gonna go ask whoever mm-hmm. and until i get to this place and it's just like i used to go around like smile on my face big smile on my face mm-hmm. feeling confidence like excuse me here mm-hmm. nestle and like mm-hmm. some words turkish some words english mm-hmm. and with hand gestures uh, and i used to find people responding better to mm-hmm. that because I was I think because I was confident and I had a big smile on my mm-hmm. face and I was like very friendly mm-hmm. you know so they felt more comfortable to help me mm-hmm. but when I was insecure yes uh, and and I was afraid to go ask him mm-hmm. so I think they saw that there is something wrong with my face yeah and they were afraid from me uh, it's quite automatic isn't exactly, it exactly mm-hmm. exactly of course I didn't realize that in one night the more insecurely i deal with people yeah the more uh, like problems you experience problems probably. i experience mm-hmm. exactly but the more optimistic i be and like the more like friendly i be the more confident. like yeah confident the more like people helps me and i found people that really generous really like nice mm-hmm. kept me going you know mm-hmm. it's like it, it gave me this idea that so actually by changing your own approach you mm-hmm. change the outcome of it yes. right it wasn't like no uh people are mean to me you know they they are like this they're like it's like i'm gonna change something within me and yeah. this is how i'm gonna yeah. do it and then the feedback from people around you changed, changed. it really changed of course i i had this times when i thought that people are really mean to me mm-hmm. is all turks like this mm-hmm. is it something and this overthinking but then i was like It doesn't matter if they're mean to me or not. I need people to help mm-hmm. me. I need to talk to people. I need to engage yeah. with people. So yeah. I learned the language. So 
actually I need people mm-hmm. and people might need me. Yeah. I can't think of people that they are like harmful or they are like mm-hmm. just mean or, you know. So I had to really change my perspective, uh, and it wasn't it wasn't easy. It 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 took it took a lot of time. It took Plus a lot of time. Yes. Yeah. Like changing changing yourself <laughs> is like the only way to to go to anyway. Go, exactly. But it's it's hard. It's not easy to do. It's so hard. But once you're able to make one thing, to change one thing, mm-hmm. and especially when you see the result, mm-hmm. uh, it feels the whole world to you. Believe me, like it feels that you achieved more than what you achieved in <laughs> your whole life. Yeah, you know? and you feel more in control. Of course, because because you're alone. Mm. There is no father. There mm. is no mother. There is no one is affecting your decision. It's yeah. all up to you. Yeah, it's up to you to fuck it up. Mm-hmm. It's up to you to build it from zero. Yeah, and it's it's really very empowering. I understand it's very scary, but really. There is no achievement without pain, some struggle, sacrifices. some sacrifice, sacrifice, anything. And when you think about it, it's really just waste of time and energy thinking about how other people are or how other people treat you. Like you can do it all you want and you can be unhappy with other people's behavior or what's what's happening to you. But it is a waste of your energy and your time. And you have only so much energy and so much time every day. You have to decide, okay, am I going to do this or am I going to take control? Why do you think it's hard for people to take control over their life? Why does it even feel like uncomfortable or like unpleasant? Because we are used to our comfort zone and that's why they call it comfort zone. Comfort zone is what you are used to and what you know and the people you know. Hmm. You know, sometimes people are holding too much for people, for another people, Mm -hmm. although they're too mean to them. But yeah, just because true. they know them, mm-hmm. and just because they are afraid of letting go and or, or like going through the experience to meet other people or to meet different behavior or to try different things, they keep themselves in this comfort zone. And that's why they find it very hard to change anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once you break this cycle, it starts to get easier and easier. But what do, you, what do you mean? We love our comfort zone because it's comfortable. Obviously, that's what it's, what it's called. Taking uh, control over your life. So let's let's bring up an example. You live in a house and you really don't like that place. Maybe it's bad neighborhood. Maybe like the rent is too high and you're miserable. Mm-hmm. Now, taking control of your life would be go and find a new place. But that requires some sacrifice maybe it's financial it's your time you will have to deal with people it might not go immediately taking control of your life there's a straightforward way to do that but many times people will prefer to keep themselves as a victim just complain about their situation so my question is why is it so hard for us just just to do what's obvious instead of just suffering well i think I think also you said uh, you you had an answer while you're talking because we complain. Uh-huh. When you complain, you get even more comfortable. Mm. And because you complained, you felt relieved. So you felt that you are a little bit uh, closer to solving the problem. That's you know? true. There because is some you energetic ha- response. You had yeah, you had this weight mm-hmm. on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I need to change and I need and I need and I need mm-hmm. and I need. 
then suddenly I see, see Rose and mm-hmm. I'm like, you ask me, how are you? And I'm like, I'm not good. I need to do mm-hmm. this and I want to do mm-hmm. that. And I need, then I feel relieved because I told you yeah. what you is bothering me. You shared your misery me. with me. Exactly. So I don't take any steps uh-huh. because I felt relieved. Especially if I'm understanding, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. And then, and then one week goes by mm-hmm. and I keep feeling the same yeah. weight. And then I talk to X person and mm-hmm. then I complain. I feel relieved. And then I talk to Y person, mm-hmm. I complain. So what happens is now I'm used to complain. Yes. I'm used to not taking actions. Yes. And I'm used to being in the same misery place. Uh, so I think the worst poison Mm-hmm. we feed ourselves is complaining i agree complaining is you can of course you can share your problems but you can share your problems to to find solution mm-hmm. to actually take the solution mm-hmm. and trying to apply it mm-hmm. you know to work on it yeah to solve your problem yeah you know but complaining is is when you just talk and want people to feel uh sorry for you mm-hmm. uh and not do anything not do anything yeah that's that's one thing that what makes it very hard for us to do anything in life you know mm-hmm. uh, the other thing is overthinking when you yeah. when you when you just when you know you have to do this certain thing and you are thinking what if yeah like what if i went i changed my house and i also didn't like the house what if the house owner was a bitch. What if, yeah. you know, this what ifs, you are just putting plugs after plug after plug after plug. Yeah. So now you have to break all these what ifs, all these plugs mm-hmm. to reach and do. And, and changing of the situation. You're, you're creating actually like even more obstacles for yourself. Like you are your own problem at exactly, that point. Exactly. And they um, say it. They say it like the only uh, thing is stopping you is you. Is you. 100%. Yeah. And you know, there's this unpopular opinion, but I absolutely agree with it that oftentimes we keep ourselves in situations because... And I'm sorry, we actually enjoy it. Whether you're aware of it of not or not, you're enjoying it. I'm not saying you're happy because course, that's different. Because you're the victim. Enjoying and being happy is two different things, right? Of course. Many people enjoy being misery. Yes, miserable. It is, it is the truth. Because because the other like you can uh, being miserable, you can prove to other people that you are the victim yeah, of yeah, something yeah. of of someone, of anything, you know. And once and the more you do this, the weaker you get, the more uh, controllable you become. How mm-hmm. controllable you might ask? Like, I mean, like, you mean like that someone can control you? Someone or even something or some mm-hmm. situation start to control you. For example, if you are like this, if it rains, you're like, fuck, it rained. I can't go to work now. I can't do this. You know, I can't. And what a horrible you, weather. What a horrible weather. The letter. whole day is Why ruined. am I like this? <laughs> Why my life is like this? You know? Oh, my favorite. Hello, ex-person. Look what happened to me. I am like, I want to go to work. But and then the bus it rained. Was late, and then man. the bus was... And you start to complain and, and be the victim. By doing this, the other person will feel sorry for you because we're human. Yes. We feel empathy. Yeah. We feel like sorry. 
And when we do this, or also sometimes out of kindness, because mm-hmm. you can't tell them, stop being a pussy and man up and get your umbrella and, and go out. Most of the time you can't because the guy is already calling you crying, you know. You don't want to to make him like a crybaby more than he is. In some situations. In you know? some situations, yes. But anyway, I thank you so much again for making the time and sharing like big parts of your story. It was definitely very interesting. And until next one, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me.